She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. And we have Peter Osborne. He's the author of No Grain, No Pain. And today our topic is how to 10X your fasting with a gluten-free diet. So welcome, Dr. Peter. Thanks so much for having me. Well, tell people a little bit of your background and kind of what got you so passionate about gluten and what made you write the book. And then we'll get right into some listener questions. Sure, sure. I, I actually was in the VA hospital. We were I was studying rheumatology. And uh it, you know, VA hospital or veterans, people after my own heart. I'm a veteran myself. And and what I saw was really a tragedy there that the people were being treated with very heavy drugs, met, drugs like methotrexate, steroids, and um, and their outcomes were poor. They they weren't getting better. There was really no hope. Um, and a lot of times their joints were destroyed anyway, and they went on to have surgeries that they didn't heal from. So it was really not a good situation. And and so I started asking different questions. What causes autoimmune disease? Why why do these individuals struggle with pain when other people are just fine? And and in the research, the thing that came up the most was was celiac disease, which is celiac disease is an autoimmune disease of the small intestines. And so I, I thought, okay, well, if celiac disease is caused by gluten, shouldn't we then be looking at other forms of autoimmune disease? You know, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, psoriatic arthritis, Hashimoto's, hypothyroid, like, and say, okay, does gluten cause those too? Or could gluten contribute to those? And what I found in the medical literature um, was, was astounding. There were thousands of research studies that either linked gluten to the worsening of these diseases or linked gluten to, in a, in, a, in a sense, causation, or that showed that going on gluten-free diets could actually improve these situations. And so when I brought this research to my attending physicians, it was no go. They didn't want to, they didn't want to hear it. And, um, and they just told me to quit, to quit um, rocking the boat, basically. And so, you know, I, I, got very frustrated there very quickly. And when I left the hospital, one of my very first patients in private practice was a little girl named Ginger. She was nine. She had a terminal diagnosis. They had given her six months to live. Imagine that, your, your daughter. You, imagine being the, the mother of a, of, a, of a child and the doctor looks at you and says, your, your, your child has six months to live. There's nothing more we can do. And this is after they had been treating this little girl with methotrexate for seven years. She had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And, uh, and they sent her home to die, basically. And so her mom, you know, found me, found me in my private practice. And this little girl was gluten sensitive. And within six months, um, she was asymptomatic. And within a year, she was completely in remission. And it was just through diet change that that happened. And, I, and so I knew at that point, we had to get this information out to more and more people. So I founded Gluten-Free Society, which is my, which is my foundation. And I went on to write a book and do a PBS special about this very topic. And, and today, what we know after 20 years of research and 20 years of clinical is gluten is, is arguably the number one cause of all forms of autoimmune disease. And if people would know that, they could change their diet and they could empower themselves to feel so much better. Um, 
I love that. Well, I want to start with a listener question, and this is from Stephanie in Fort Worth, Texas. And I love this question. She says, I've been binge listening to your podcast and listened to an old episode by Peter Osborne. By the way, I've currently lost 15 pounds eating in a six hour window and feeling great. But one of the things he was talking about is being grain free. I listen and I'm super pumped. And then I don't eat any gluten and I don't eat any grains for about a week. Then all of a sudden I'll start craving a gluten-free everything bagel. I'm really good about gluten. I can stop eating gluten and I only binge on gluten about once every six months. I'll find something that I love and we'll eat that. But with grains, I stop eating grains for about a week and then I literally just snap. How important is the grain-free portion? I just honestly don't think it's possible for me. I can go about one week without eating grains and then I snap like a rubber band. Like what are practical tips that can really get the grains out? What about quinoa? I love it. And I actually feel great when I eat that. Everything else, I don't feel great, but don't feel terrible. I'm on board with him on the gluten-free, but do you think it's really possible to be grain-free? Don't you think that's a great question? Great question. And I think the answer is, yeah, it's absolutely Stephanie in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, so so let's back up for just a minute and dissect that question because I think to give it, to give it justice, we have to put a little bit of um, preliminary undertone there. So what happens to a lot of people when they're trying to make the transition from a traditional gluten-free diet to a grain-free diet is there's a, a withdrawal scenario that can occur. And one of the reasons why there are certain proteins found in grains that act like morphine. And so what they do is they can create an addiction. And so when you try to go cold turkey, just like if you were quitting a drug, you can actually have um, severe side effects or withdrawal or severe craving. So that's one possibility. And it takes about a month to get through that, clinically speaking. The other possibility could be an underlying yeast overgrowth. One of the things that yeast thrive on is grain. They thrive on carbohydrates in general, like heavy, heavy um, carbohydrates, like even potatoes, white potatoes, tapioca, cassava, those types of things. So anything that breaks down into sugar really quickly, yeast thrive on. And grain is probably the, the worst of the bunch. But sometimes when a, when a person has an underlying yeast overgrowth in their GI tract, when they start cutting back grains, they're, what they're also doing simultaneously is they're dramatically reducing their carbohydrate intake. And so those yeast will actually start producing chemicals then send those chemicals to your brain to make you snap, to make you crave those things and eat those things. Because when you're starving those yeast out, they're intelligent life forms. They want you to eat so that you can feed them. And so they can actually hijack your brain and, uh, and, and, and cause you to snap and buckle in your diet. So that also takes anywhere from three to four weeks to get through. For a lot of people, it can cause you know, irritability, mood swings. It can cause severe cravings. So that might be kind of an undertone to what's happening with, with that particular um, listener. So, so I would encourage... I would encourage trying to get through a solid month and some things that you can do um, to ex if, if there, if it is a yeast issue, there's a, there's a really simple supplement you can take um, called caprylic acid. Caprylic acid um, is sometimes very helpful at, at eradicating or, or suppressing the populations of yeast in somebody's GI tract. So if you have a, if you have a yeast overgrowth, caprylic acid is very safe to take. There's really no major side effects to using it. 
but um, and it might actually help deal with that with that yeast issue if it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, other things that can be done in terms of going grain free. Quinoa was studied a number of years ago and was found that several of the proteins in quinoa mimic gluten. So even though you you may feel good eating quinoa, it, it, it may be perfectly fine for you. But I see a lot of people really react to quinoa very poorly. Mm, I like that. Um, so do you have any practical tips? One of the things that she said is like, so, okay, what are some things that she can do? Cause it sounds like she's got one week. She listens to the podcast. Maybe people are listening here and they're like, yes. Okay. He's motivated me. I'm not having any gluten. I'm not having any grains. And then a week goes by and then she's at her snapping point, like a rubber band. So what are some things that she can do to really go like, are there things that she could substitute things like maybe that you take that you go, this is a treat for me, but at least I'm not having the grains and I still eat this and feel like, you know, I can still eat this and feel like a, a million bucks. Cassava and tapioca are probably two of the best grain-free substitute carbohydrates in terms of mouthfeel and treat satisfaction. You know, that's it. So, so like, for example, there are a couple of companies that make bagels from tapioca. Mm-hmm. And so if you're having a, like a really strong craving, that would be something that could, you know, that could, they could do the trick for you. There's another company here actually in Texas called Siete and they make, uh, they make chips, they make tortilla chips that are out of cassava flour. Um, some people use cassava, like we have several recipes on our site for cassava flatbread, um, uh, that can solve that 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 craving as well. So cassava and tapioca are really good substitutes if you are having that kind of really ur- strong urge to to buckle. Now they're not super great foods to eat. So like I don't recommend like just replacing everything that's grain with cassava. And the reason why is this: cassava and tapioca are very low in nutritional value and very high in calories. Right. And so when you when you take something in that's low nutrition value and high in calories, what you're doing is you're driving up and spiking your blood sugar. And if you do that all the time, it could lead to some health issues down the road. But for that time where you're just buckling and you're just really needing something, those two work really well. Do you guys want to drastically improve the quality of your sleep? Would you like to be bulletproof to stress? then guess what? There is a Black Friday special happening right now and this could be exactly what you need. If you're struggling with insomnia or muscle cramps like in your legs or constipated, then let me tell you what you need. Four out of five Americans are now magnesium deficient. Like it's crazy. And that's a really big problem because magnesium is involved in more than 600 biochemical reactions in your body. And here's what most people don't know. Just taking any old magnesium supplement is not going to solve your problem because the cheapest kinds, it's where your body can't absorb it. So absolutely not. Here's what you need to do. 
I exclusively recommend Magnesium Breakthrough, okay? It's the only one that has seven unique forms of magnesium that your body can actually absorb. Seven critical forms of magnesium. That means that's exactly what you need for your brain, for your sleep, for your pain, inflammation, and less stress. So here's the great news. Black Friday, like this is the most incredible offer they're offering. From November 21st to the 29th, not only do you get magnesium breakthrough, but all of Bioptimizer's best-in-class products with an additional 25% off. So go to bioptimizers.com slash waste away. I'll put it in the show notes. Enter the code waste away to get 25 percent off any order so it's a huge deal and if you've arrived here late don't worry there's always a 10 percent off for listeners so if you're listening and you're like oh this you listen to this episode later don't worry i always give a 10 percent off for my listeners biooptimizers.com slash waste away with the code waste away all right this next one is from selena deville in tallahassee florida says, fix my back doc. Can you get a doctor on the show to talk about back issues and shoulder issues? I've been trying to eat a paleo diet and not trying to eat any grains or a lot of carbs, even though I've been craving a lot of cravings towards carbs and even worse, I'm feeling a lot of musk musculoskeletal pains. My doctor says, how can I correct your spine out of a problem that is essentially driven and perpetuated by inflammatory changes in your body? I kind of say, how does my sandwich really relate to my back pain? Is this really an issue? And it's really hard for me to give up, but if I can really understand the science behind it, maybe I can be convinced to take it out of my diet. Yeah, great question. So there's a concept called grain inflammation. This is when you eat grain and it causes inflammation and, and it's, it's a systemic inflammation. And how that works is there are a number of different things found in grain. Gluten certainly is one of those proteins, but there are other proteins in grains. There's, for example, there's a family of proteins called amylase trypsin inhibitors. Um, there's uh, other substances in grains like mycotoxins and molds and heavy metals that are known to trigger inflammatory responses. So if you've got chronic pain issues, whether it's back pain or shoulder pain or whatever, if you're eating a food that drives inflammation through a chemical process, what that does over the long haul is it keeps you in chronic pain. You may have injured your back physically, like a ski accident or a car accident, right? But the, if your diet is inflammatory, that injury will never heal. And the reason why is when we're inflamed, our body produces a hormone called cortisol. Now, cortisol is a steroid and it's a catabolic steroid, meaning it breaks your body down. So if you're, if you ever, ladies and, and guys too, if you've ever been on chronic pain and you had a doctor give you oral steroids or had a doctor inject you with a steroid, those are called corticosteroids. The side effect, is pain relief, but the other side effect is muscle loss, muscle weakness, bone loss, elevations in blood pressure, elevations in blood sugar. So if you're eating food all the time that causes your body to make too much cortisol, because remember what cortisol is, it's your body's natural fire truck. It helps your body put out fires. So if your food, every day you're eating it and you're starting a fire, and your body's trying to respond by elevating cortisol to put that fire out, then over time, your muscles atrophy, they shrink, they get weaker. 
And now your pain never goes away because it's just like being, it's just like being deconditioned. If you never exercise and you just sit at a chair all day, your low back starts to hurt chronically because the muscles start to shrink and they compress the joints and they create an arthritic situation. And this is very, very common. That's why the process is called grain inflammation. When you eat grain, it creates a chronic inflammation. That chronic inflammation elevates your cortisol. That cortisol causes your muscles to shrink and causes your blood sugar to go up, causes your insulin to go up. And now you hurt all the time because those are hormones that drive inflammation and pain. Mm. So let's really dive into that because I think, you know, one of the the questions really kind of put into place is that what she was really saying is how do I eat a grain-free diet without feeling deprived? Like that's really kind of the gist of it. So let's talk about some of the foods that you eat that really kind of can help you not feel deprived and can kind of heal that gut. And I want you to expand a little bit more about talking about that candida in the gut, because I think that is, I think you hit, you know, home on that, that I think those massive, massive cravings when you're getting them is caused by that candida being in the gut and what you can do to kind of help that. So, so first let's talk about the deprivation issue, right? That being deprived. I I, want to just throw out some mindset and psychology for that too. When you are chronically hurting, when you are in pain, you are depriving yourself of a full life. When you change your diet, you're not depriving yourself of food. You're allowing yourself to live your best life. And I think that's where a lot of people think, okay, you're already, to start from the mindset that you're already deprived. If you're in chronic pain, you're already depriving yourself through what you're eating. Change your diet, change your life. You don't have to be deprived because you change your diet. It's a mindset. Part of it is. Now, that being said, there there are a lot of foods that can be consumed that are grain-free, that can taste delicious. Part of that um, is the learning curve of actually committing to going on the diet. Some people try to commit to the diet for a week or two weeks or a month, and they never really get through the learning curve process. And so the learning curve process is what can I eat? What tastes good? What hits that satisfaction button for me? There's, there's literally, there are hundreds and hundreds of different food options that are not grain that if you would explore and spend time um, with recipes, spend time trying new things, you would find that that you're not actually being deprived at all. And that you, prior, you were depriving yourself of so many foods that you actually weren't eating because you just didn't know they existed or, or never really cared to try them. Mm. I love that. And I think you saying that in your mind, that saying grains are contributing to inflammation, which that inflammation is the root cause of so many chronic diseases. And I'm depriving myself of living a full life when I make that decision. And I can still have a full life with different things, like you said, like those Sieta chips or the Sieta wraps. So name some more things that are kind of grain-free snacks or treats that you use that kind of helps you not to feel deprived, but still feeling great. Yeah. So flavor is relative, right? Taste is relative, but I, I personally like 
Um, I, I use um, when I travel, especially, and I and I and I know I don't want to eat out at a restaurant, or I know I want to kind of avoid a place that might have cross contamination. I use a lot of paleo-like granola sources, so things like pumpkin seeds and dried fruit. Um, there's actually a couple of companies. One's called Paleonola, and the other's called Steve's Paleo. Um, shameless, not that they don't pay me to promote. They're just products that I use and products that I enjoy. Um, that give me a, um, that give me some satisfaction, right? That give me some satisfaction and make me feel like, yeah, I, I can, I can feel a little bit normal. What some people do with those products is they pour, uh, they pour a little almond milk on them and they have cereal, right? So like, you know, some people are like, where's my cereal fix? I want to have my cereal fix. So like, those are things that can be done uh, relatively easy that, that that can help stave off some of that feeling of, of uh, missing certain food elements that you're no longer can, you know, eating. Yeah. And they, there's some flax crackers. They're like called flackers that are just made with like flax meal that are really good, that are grain free. There's some kale chips that I like, or some freeze dried fruit crisps that I really like that are just made with fruit. So when I want something sweet and kind of like a crunch, um, and if, you're, if, you're also. Looking, if you're looking for bread, we, we actually, we have a bread called warrior bread and uh, it's fabulous. It tastes like bread. I mean, it's chewy like bread. It's, you know, if you, so if you really miss bread, you should check it out. Warrior bread. Um, it's, it's a mixture of, of different flours that, that when you pull them all together, the texture and the taste is very much like regular bread. So a lot of those gluten-free breads are very crunchy and they rip the roof of the mouth up because they're just, you know, they're just not, they don't have gluten in them, right? Gluten is that soft, chewy aspect of bread that makes it palatable. But, you know, we've designed warrior bread specifically for people that, that want to have that bread feel that still miss it. Okay. This next one is from Andrea in Norfolk. And she says, what is your opinion on gluten sensitive? Lately, I've been seeing a lot of places that say that this is not gluten free, but it is gluten sensitive. Would you go ahead and do that? Or do you think that's not a good idea? I wouldn't personally. Um, and I think it's up to the individual. I, I, I think a lot of the restaurants that, that cater to, they, they say that a product isn't going to be guaranteed gluten free because the definition is that if a product is going to be labeled gluten free, it has to be tested at less than 20 parts per million of gluten. Like that's the, that's the rule that the FDA has set forward to call something gluten-free. But a lot of restaurants will say this is naturally doesn't have any gluten in it. So it, it could be safe for you, but if you're severe celiac, you may not want to eat this. So like, that's, that's kind of what that delineation would be. I would just say it depends on the individual. If your reaction to gluten is that it puts you in the hospital or gives you bloody diarrhea for a couple of weeks. That's even if, if that kitchen is not dedicated gluten-free, if they can't guarantee it, I wouldn't eat there. Mm -hmm. um, if you're, if you're just trying to avoid grain as a general rule of thumb and you're relatively healthy, you know, then you can take that risk. Um, but, but again, it just depends on how severely it might affect you. Mm. on Chick-fil-A French fries. I'm trying to be gluten-free and I know Chick-fil-A French fries isn't the best option, but they say that they put all of their stuff in a separate fryer and they are gluten-free. Would you do it? No. And here's why the people that work at Chick-fil-A, you know, 16 and 17 year olds, do you think they make mistakes? Do you think they really like take meticulous care 
of that fryer. I mean, I would I would say the risk in a restaurant like that and any fast food, and this is not to pick on Chick-fil-A per se, it's just cross-contamination is a major, major issue. And, uh, and, and quality control, it's whether or not they have great quality control. And I just don't trust a teenager with great quality control. I don't, I don't think they're mature enough to understand it. No offense to teenagers either, but um, that's just the reality of life. So if you've been enjoying the show, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to. Take a screenshot of it and email it to questions at chantelrayway.com. The first 15 people who do that will get an amazing free gift. You will get an exclusive interview of the Thin Eaters and what they do to stay thin and make sure they stay in trim top shape. Go to Apple Podcasts, take a snapshot of it, email it to questions at chantelrayway.com and I'll send you your gift. And if you don't feel like making the review and you want to pay $79 to get this video, it is well worth it. Just go to ChantelRayway.com and download it and buy it. So let's talk about a typical day for you. Like what does your lunch look like? What does your dinner look like that are kind of things that you would do on a daily basis for your lunches and dinners? So like today I have uh, a cauliflower chicken curry and uh, that's my lunch. And that was what I had for dinner last night. So, so a lot of times my lunch is my previous night's dinner. When we cook, we cook enough for the lunch the next day. So, so most dinners are generally a, a conglomeration of meats and vegetables. So um, tomorrow I'll probably have a roast. We'll, we'll put in a, a grass-fed roast with some carrots and uh, chopped sweet potatoes and onions. Uh, and uh, we may add even a little bit of arrowroot to that liquid around the roast to create like a gravy, like a thickened gravy. So if you're a gravy fan and you really want some of that thick gravy that you miss, um, mm-hmm. that's one way to get it is using arrowroot starch as a, as a thickening agent with your, you know, with your, with your um, broths. Um, but that, that's typically what, what, what a meal looks like for me. It's generally a mixture of, of meats and vegetables. And then dessert is typically some type of fruit. Um, and then travel food, a lot of nuts. So I like, um, I like to carry around with me almonds cause they, they store easy. I have a food, a food case in my backpack so that, cause I travel a lot. So I'll have a, I'll have dried mangoes. I'll have almonds. I'll have pistachios, um, you know, just kind of setting in there and then beef jerky for the quick road trip. If I'm, if I'm going somewhere in it and if I, um, if I'm not sure about the restaurants and I'm not sure about where I'm going, I always have that food kind of food suitcase, if you will. But I also use those opportunities to fast, you know, so I know your I know your audience loves the, you know, the fasting element in life. But when I travel or if I know I'm going to be somewhere where I can't necessarily trust the food, I just make it a fasting opportunity. And uh, and that and that kind of kills two birds with one stone. I get the benefit of the fast without the detriment of the potential cross contamination or other harmful food, because one of the problems with travel and eating out, too, is none of it's organic unless you can you can go to you know there are some restaurants that yeah they serve organic fare or local grown fare and things of that nature but the vast majority chick-fil-a mcdonald's any of that you're eating genetically modified food loaded with chemicals right put in a deep fryer so you create a cancer-causing compound called acrylamide you know so like those are not things that you want to do for the sake of being gluten-free remember that gluten-free doesn't mean healthy and so we want to really have a delineation. When you're trying to go gluten-free, you want to do it in a healthy way because if you do it in an unhealthy way, you won't notice a huge benefit to your health, but you'll just be frustrated because if you don't feel any better and you're going through all this effort and trouble, 
um, then you're just going to get frustrated with the diet and quit. So when you, if you're, if you're considering a gluten-free diet, do it the right way. Um, because if you do it the right way, your health, you, you'll 10 X your health. And if you 10 X your health, it makes the effort worthwhile, right? You know, like it, we're in America, nobody wants to work hard and not get rewarded. And that includes with your diet. Nobody wants to work hard at navigating their diet and being meticulous about where their food's coming from and how it's prepared and then still feel like garbage. You know what I mean? So it's it's about committing and committing to doing it right so that you can objectively observe an outcome that's an improvement in your health so that you can justify the continuance of that diet. Wow, that goes right into my next question. And this is from Sally in Sarasota, Florida. She says, I have autoimmune issues. My skin is awful and I have Hashimoto's and I've tried everything for my skin and nothing actually works. I've read how grains wreak havoc on your body by causing tissue inflammation and creating vitamin and mineral deficiencies. And that immune autoimmune response causes the body to attack itself. So I decided to go grain-free and gluten-free for the last 30 days. My skin is a little bit better, but honestly, not enough to just keep going. My skin is still bad. I eat in a six hour window and I feel like I'm improved a little bit, but I'm still not a hundred percent. And it's gotten to the point where I'm like kind of saying to myself, screw it. Maybe I should just go back to eating the way I was before because yes, it has helped me a little, but not enough to make it worth it. I'm frustrated. Sally in Sarasota, Florida. Okay. So Sally, here's the advice I would have for you. Get tested for gluten sensitivity. The best way to do that is genetic testing, because if you've got a little benefit in the first four weeks, there may be a lot more benefit in the next eight weeks for you. If the skin turnover rate, it takes a couple of months to really start seeing an impact on the skin. Just telling you from my experience, we know gluten can cause five different forms of autoimmune skin diseases. And so that, that you could just be too pulling back too soon. Like my, I want to encourage you to keep going, but if you need the strength to, and the, 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 you need the, you need to have some kind of conviction to keep going forward, get genetically tested for gluten sensitivity so that you can confirm that you're doing the right thing in your own mind. Because knowing that you're doing the right thing will give you a lot of strength. You, you'll just pull deep and it'll give you a lot of strength. Number two though on that is the skin doesn't heal in four weeks, right? The skin doesn't even fully turn over in four weeks. You think I have to think about how fast the skin cell lives and dies. Your skin is brand new every six to eight weeks. So you haven't even gone through one entire generation of skin cell turnover. I wouldn't expect your skin to recover after a four week gluten-free diet. The fact that you've got a little improvement is a promising thing. And then there's one other element that a lot of people, when they're trying to overcome an autoimmune condition, and this is inclusive of the skin, when, when, you're, when, when gluten is contributing to your skin disorder, and it, let's say you've been eating gluten your whole life, like that's, let's say you're 40 years old, and so that's 39 years of damage. You're not going to heal that in four weeks. But the, one of the other side effects of, of gluten is it causes vitamin and mineral deficiency. And one of the things I see very commonly in the skin, selenium deficiency, biotin deficiency, zinc deficiency, vitamin A deficiency. These are nutrients that your body needs to repair the skin. And if you've been eating gluten your whole life and you've caused your body to be malnourished, you may have some benefit going gluten-free that, that plateaus, but because you have these nutritional deficiencies, your body doesn't have the raw the raw basic ingredients it needs to repair the damage. 
think of it like this. If you if you're in your car and you and you roll over a nail and you pop your tire, imagine that I'm giving you an analogy here. The nail is gluten, the tire is your body. Okay. So you roll over the nail and you pop your tire. If you take the nail out of the tire, you've removed the gluten from your diet, right? You take the nail out of the tire, your tire still popped. So what, what do we have to do to get that tire to, to, to reinflate? We've got to jack up the car. We need a lug nut, you know, we need a we need a uh, a wrench. Right. We have to do the work. We have to put the work in to get the tire to reinflate or to put a new tire on. And your body has to do work biochemically to repair that skin. And so sometimes it's not just about removing what caused the disease. It's about removing what caused the disease and then doing the work to help your body repair itself. And a lot of times that work comes in the nutrition, the vitamins and the minerals, which are the building blocks to helping your body heal. And there are lab tests. If you work with a good doctor, you can ask your doctor to run your nutritional labs and, and measure your selenium and your zinc and your vitamin A and your biotin and, and your B vitamins, et cetera. And if you're low in certain ones, this is when supplementation can be a game changer, right? I've seen people with severe seborrheic dermatitis and we put them on biotin and man, it clears up. It clears up fast. So, so sometimes you need those nutrients as in that those are part of the issue. Remember that, that, it doesn't matter what kind of autoimmune disease you have. Autoimmune diseases can be caused by gluten and grains, but they can also be caused by other things. They're multifactorial diseases. And so there's four triggers for autoimmune disease. If you want to think about this, gluten is a trigger, but so are other foods. So food allergies, a trigger, chemical exposure is a trigger. Nutritional deficiencies are a trigger and microbial imbalance, microbe imbalance. So bad bacteria, fungal overgrowth, yeast overgrowth, those kinds of things, are, those four categories are triggers. So like if somebody comes to me in my practice, the very first thing I do if they have an autoimmune problem is I measure those triggers for them and help teach them what they need to start doing. And so that, that's why I would encourage you, if you're not working with a good functional doc, that, that might be a game changer for you in your life as well, as opposed to just the diet change by itself. Mm. All right, this next question comes from Cynthia in Chattanooga, Tennessee. What about alcohol? I know I've heard your podcast before and you say that you don't like to drink your calories, but you like to eat them. Well, I'm the opposite. I like to drink my calories and I don't, I like to eat them, but I like to drink them and eat them. I'm trying to find the best alcohol that is the lowest calories and I feel the best the next day. Do you know anything that you've heard other people say that's the best? Because I know you're not a big drinker. She's talking about me. I've said it in the past. I always say I drink about four times a year and, um, usually my husband's birthday or something like that. I just, I don't love to, I like to eat my calories instead of drinking them. So everyone's different, but um, let's talk about that. So she's, she didn't mention gluten, but let's add that in of like, what is the best alcohol out there if you're trying to be grain-free and gluten-free? Yeah. So most alcohols are grain alcohols, right? So like take, for example, a lot of your vodkas are wheat or corn, your bourbons, your whiskeys, wheat and corn. Um, so if you're looking for a grain-free alcohol, tequila is made from agave, agave ne uh, cactus or nectar. Um, you also have certain rum, which is made from sugar cane. And there are vodkas that are made from potato or some vodkas are made from grape. If you like cognac, if you're cigar, cognac, con connoisseur, 
um, get a great cognac um, because they're, they taste really good and, uh, and they're grain free. Beer is out. Malted beverages are out. Wine coolers are out. Some wines are out because of the, the way they're produced. They're, they can be contaminated with wheat. I, but wines are also very high in sugar. So, so I would say if you're, if you're trying to enjoy a drink, understand that, first of all, alcohol is detrimental to the body. So depending on how often you do it, you can overdo it. It's very easy to overdo. Second of all, most alcohols have grain in them. So I would be cautious of the ones that do because you want to try to avoid those. Third, remember that most alcohols too are not organic. And so they're loaded with glyphosate. Glyphosate, the chemical Roundup, right? And this is a big one because Roundup causes leaky gut. It damages your microbiome. It causes your bacteria, your healthy bacteria in your GI tract to, be, to become diminished. And it's linked to cancer. Uh, and there was a major lawsuit, just one, uh, by a gardener whose cancer was caused by Roundup exposure. So you got to be careful with your alcohols. I recommend if you're going to drink, look for organic varieties of grain-free spirits. And today, it's really easy to find those. There are a number of different brands that are organic spirits. But I would also say keep it keep it to a minimum. Try you know even if you enjoy a good drink, um, I, I would say alcohol moderation is the best is the best way to approach it. And what what does the moderation mean when it comes to alcohol? Well, from my perspective as a doctor, once a month um, is, is, is moderation. If you're doing it once a week, or if you're having a glass every night, that's not moderation. Some people think, oh, it's just one a night. No, that's alcohol every day. That's not moderation. That's, that's a lot of alcohol. Um, alcohol is one of the, one of the biggest causes of B vitamin deficiency. It's one of the biggest causes of hormone disruption to women. Um, it can create uh, symptoms of early menopause, hot flashes, trouble sleeping, um, trouble healing and repairing. And alcohol can also cause damage to your liver. And it's a very, very common cause. Remember, liver disease, 46% of the U.S. population has fatty liver. So, um, and alcohol is the biggest contributor to that, alcohol and, and side effects of medicines. So just, I would just say moderation. And if you really like to drink your calories, you know, pick those organic grain-free spirits to do it. And don't add all the sweet sugar to it because that, that's just like a double wreck for you. Hey guys, I really want you to join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures and just for posting a question in there. We're giving away free protein shakes, some digest aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. And what is your opinion on dairy? I'd love to hear your opinion on dairy. So dairy's okay, provided a few caveats. Um, most of the commercial dairy in the U.S. is produced from what are, what are known as Holstein cows. Holstein cows are a breed of cow that have a type of dairy called A1 casein. A1 casein. A1 casein is a type of protein found in this dairy that can mimic gluten. So for many people that are gluten sensitive, if they're using like regular grocery store dairy, it, it, it causes the same kind of reaction that gluten can cause. Now there is a type of dairy called A2 dairy. And there's a company now, I think they're out of Australia that they actually make A2 milk. So I'd say if you're gonna use dairy, look for A2 versions of dairy. Now, just so you know, naturally goat and sheep dairy are A2. So those are safer options 
um, as far as dairy is concerned. Now, some people are still allergic to dairy regardless. It's actually one of the top allergens in the world. So you also have to keep that in mind. But if, if we're, we're talking about gluten, it's the processed dairy in today's world that oftentimes it, it mimics gluten bad enough that if you are gluten sensitive, it creates a problem. So look for the A2. Yeah, I feel good when I eat um, goat cheese, um, but I don't feel great when I eat cow's milk, unfortunately. See, I'm on a farm and I have A2 cows. Yeah. So, so we milk our A2 cows and we That's can, awesome. eat that dairy, you know, I'm but coming uh, we, to your house. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, what have I not asked you that you want listeners to know? That's a great question. There's a lot, uh, but let's just keep it simple. I think if, if I wanted your listeners to know, what they could do to improve their health. I, I would say, think about these seven things, these seven, seven things. Number one, what you eat matters and it matters so much. Don't ever let a doctor tell you nutrition is not important. Real food, number one rule for good health. Number two, sleep. Sleep is critical. You, you can't get healthy. You can't stay healthy without healthy sleep. Number three, sunshine. I know we've all been told to avoid the sun for fear of skin cancer, but sunshine is so critical for humans. We, we make vitamin D, we make melatonin through sunshine. There are anti-cancer properties that, that are produced in our skin when we, when we get sunshine. So sunshine, getting it every day to the limit of your skin. So if you're a fair redhead, don't go out for five hours on a boat with no protection. Um, go out for 10 minutes to whatever your skin can tolerate, but get some every day. Number four, exercise. Exercise is critical. The body needs motion and movement. Remember the old adage, use it or lose it. That's the way your body works with physical activity. Number five, breathe clean air. And you know, maybe you live in the city. If you do, filter your air in your home. Number six, drink clean water. Again, you know, what do we have in our water? If you get your city, you get your city water, it's it's got you know chlorine and bromine and fluoride in it. If you're drinking out of plastic, you're getting phthalates and chemicals that mimic estrogen, and that's no good. So get a good solid, I like RO, reverse osmosis water filter on your, on your sink at home. You'll save a ton of money on water bottles, but you'll get the best, cleanest type of water if you live in the city. And then number seven is manage your stress. Mitigate and manage your stress well. So, so if, you, if you apply the seven, what I call the seven non-negotiable choices that we have every day, if you apply them consistently, or if you ever feel your health is deteriorating, think about one of those seven things and ask yourself, where, what am I missing? What am I not doing in those seven things that if I were doing, I could improve or level up my health? I would just encourage you all to consider those seven things as kind of a daily ritual that you embark on, because those are all choices. And most diseases today and most health issues today are truly, they're, they're consequences of poor choices over time. They're not consequences of bad genes. They're not consequences of anything other than um, you having consistent good behaviors, healthy behaviors. So, so think of those things and think of them often. And anytime you don't feel well, think about how you can improve them. So is there any things like food-wise that you're like, these are kind of my top ones that I just like, really avoid 
at, you know, at all costs, like if you had to name kind of the top ones that you're like, you know, I really avoid this or I really avoid that. Can you give us a few of those as well? Well, I avoid all grain. Definitely. I avoid all dairy if it's not A2. I avoid sugar unless it's a very rare occasion. Sometimes I'll have some or, or break down and have some. I'm human too. Um, and then outside of that, I don't eat it if it's not organic. Um, and the reason why we're learning more and more about this, um, non-organic food is, is really is so poisonous, so poisonous to our microbiome. And here's what we're learning too. A lot of the people today have more and more, people are becoming more and more allergic to food. If you've noticed that there's this trend, why 30 years ago, weren't people not complaining of being allergic to this, that, and the other. Arguably one of the biggest reasons that's occurring is because of the pesticides that are being used in the food. The pesticides destroy your microbiome and your microbiome is responsible for helping you digest food and assimilate vitamins and minerals from it. And so if you're not eating organically, you're actually destroying your microbiome slowly over time. And you actually start acquiring allergies. You start collecting food allergies and you become more and more allergic to more and more of the things that you eat. So if you want to avoid that from happening, pick organic. When you pick organic, you also support farmers who do it right. Remember these companies that produce a lot of our food? Who owns them? They're pharmaceutical companies. Most of our food today is produced by the very corporate entities that are benefiting from our illness, right? And we've passed the buck onto these companies to produce our food. It makes zero sense. It makes great sense for them because it's a great, you know, it's a great economic model for perpetual profit centers and profit margin. But I don't look at people as a profit center. I look at people as, you know, important and loving and caring individuals who have something great to offer this world. So, um, you know, avoid that, avoid that, that avoid those pesticides. I, I mean, I can't, I couldn't emphasize that enough. I love that. And well, thank you so much for being with us. I want you to tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you. Yeah. If you want to learn more about us and what we do, go over to glutenfreesociety.org. And uh, we have the world's biggest gluten-free newsletter there. So if you want to learn the most about gluten, just come sign up. It's free and we'll take good care of you and educate you. And, uh, and you can also visit me on YouTube. Glutenology is our handle on YouTube. And uh, we do a live Q&A every Monday night. So if you have questions that you just, you know, maybe I know your audience might have some questions. If you want to just come over and ask me a question, feel free to do that any Monday. I love it. And I love what that listener said. And I agree with it too, um, because what she said was, you know, I listened to that podcast. She had listened to an old podcast that you did. And she's like, I got super pumped and I got motivated. And then I go for a week or I go for two weeks. And here's the thing we all need to be reminded. So going back, listening to older podcasts, coming on to, you know, like you said, going into your show, if you're starting to feel like you're going through a dip, that's what you need. You need to listen to another podcast on it. Get yourself motivated again. Get yourself recharged because we all do. We all get into a where we're like, okay, that, that really does look good or whatever it is. And getting your mindset back on track is so, so important. And you always motivate me. I love having you on the show. So thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and pumping us all up to be grain-free and pain-free. Well, you're welcome. And thanks so much for having me and helping me share this message. It's so important. And I, I appreciate you. 
I appreciate you and you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.